Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Thank you for your prayers. I've had people ask me about the break and vacation, and it was okay. So that's pulling down the mask. Uh, uh, you pray for... For Brenda and I and uh, Brenda's mom's passing, and you can imagine that, and I had a nephew uh, that, that uh, had cancer and he died this past Thursday, so we could just use your prayers, you know, and it's just a time of that. We're doing okay, you know, God's with us and strengthens us, and, uh, but, you know, we would also covet your prayers as uh, just pastors in this body, so. Would you read this aloud together with me? This is from the message, and it's, it's, we're going to go back to the journey of looking at prayer. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiven others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're a blazing beauty. In Jesus' name, amen. Sit down. Don't you love the way the Eugene Peterson took that and just, I think much of that was just discernment, but it also greatly affected this teaching because I've, I've been doing the, this has been a long series, but it's re-energizing us for prayer and looking at prayer not just from a grace perspective, but from, from a completely different approach and perspective. Instead of a, a model, using the Lord's Prayer as different rooms of rest. He says, in my Father's house are many resting places, many rooms. And then if Christ lives in you, he said this, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And so literally you are that prayer room. You are, if you will, if you can receive this, you're the secret place that he talks about in Matthew 6. You. That's the secret place that you go into. It's, it's your own heart. And so I use the analogy of different rooms and what they mean. And this morning, we're looking at this whole thing about... Um, it's translated in many verses, lead us not into temptation. And a lot of people have thought that that implies that God is going to lead you to temptation so that you get it right one more time. They be, you build an equation out of it. And uh, boy, you're going to get slam dunked because a lot of stuff's going to come your way so you grow up. That's, that's not the heart of God at all. And so I love the way Eugene Peterson put that here and... Uh, you know, this is, I think, above all things, you need to remember that where the Lord dwells, that's a place of safety and security. It's a pace that, that overrides the traumatic events in our lives. It doesn't lead, that, lead us to them so that we can experience God more. That, that's just a, it's a faulty view. It's not healthy. Um, and usually when bad circumstances in life goes, all of us have this, I, I think it's maybe it's the way that we've been taught how to learn from our education and also our Christianity. 
but we try and find that equation. Okay, what's God trying to get into my life now because my car broke down? Well, guess what? Your car broke down. <laughs> you know, now can God use that? Yes, of course. If you get a lesson from God, rejoice. There's wisdom in that. You can see and hear things from circumstances. But listen, we start using equations to blame God for our circumstances, and we often go to this. I have been doing this, this, and this wrong, so if I stop doing those three things wrong and, oh yeah, add two really good things, like maybe read my Bible more, then this is going to change. That's from equations 1-3. And it's, it's not healthy. It's not an understanding of trusting God, and it's not a healthy relationship with God. It paints God out to be some maniacal, mean father that is going to teach you until you get it right. That's not God. That's not the God that Jesus portrayed. Um, all you have to do is, is think, about, think about the prostitute that was caught. Think about the way Jesus treated that woman. How everybody else wanted to slam dunk her and use the law and pick up rocks and stone her to death because she did it again. And Jesus goes, uh, you without sin, you cast the first stone. Uh, pretty much make me drop my bag of rocks. You know, it's, no. That's his, he's portraying the heart of the Father. That's God's view of life and circumstances, even when you were the one who caused it to mess up. So I love the way Eugene Peterson does this. This is actually a room of wisdom. It's not a room in this prayer time, uh, and I, I say this with as much kindness and, and straightforwardness as I can muster, but don't use this verse as a talisman to ward off evil. Um, it, it's not that. It's not some incantation that we're to use. Don't get, um, listen, so much of what we've been taught in, in the past and everything, it, it's, also, it's superstition. It's traditions of men that have been passed down to us. Say this prayer when you walk past the graveyard and no ghosts will come after you. No. In him we live and move and have our being. I, I Listen, you know what the psalm actually said? If you make your bed in hell, guess what? We'll be there right there with you. I'm there. So it's really from ourselves that we need protection especially when it comes to temptation. And so that's really what we're going to look at. I think that this room of saying, uh, keep me safe from myself, is a place that I ask God, and I've been practicing this, I ask God for a couple of things, discernment and wisdom. It's a room of wisdom. God wants you to rest in his wisdom, especially when circumstances, when you've got some stuff going like, yeah, I don't know if I should enter in. I don't know if I should do that or not. That, uh, that sounds right, but tastes bad. You've ever had the, those kind of things? So that, that's really what I think it is. And this is the verse. 
Now, this is a strange verse to use, but it's a verse that, that I think really talks to us about this place of wisdom. So listen to this. Blessed is the man, James 1, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Doesn't say he won't get tempted. Doesn't say he's more holy if he doesn't get tempted. Blessed is the person who, who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. I think what that's really talking about is we recognize that God's with us. Whenever you're in a temptation, it's not to go, ooh, I've been doing something wrong here, so now I'm getting tempted to do something more wrong. That's not God. God wants you to recognize, I'm I'm there with you. I'm right in the trenches with you. And uh, as John Lynch, who I'm going to promote a lot, would say, on my worst day. God's with me. On the day when I don't even know if I can turn to my most trusted friend, God is with me. So he goes on, he says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But when each one is tempted, when he's drawn away in his own desires and enticed, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I think of Romans 7 when I think of this. I love God with all my heart. I really do. I'm crazy about God. And here's what I'm more convinced of. That's because God's crazy about me. God's not going to come as a mean person and try and entice me to do something wrong to reveal to me I still have areas in my life that need fixing? Come on, think through that. God doesn't work that way. No. My stuff comes in my flesh, just like Romans 7 says. I I find this thing. I love God completely, but doggone it, sin, surd, the noun sin, can still be present in my flesh. I can be tempted to do something wrong. Can you? Some of you? I say all of you. (laughs) How do you know that? Because I know me. And I've been pastoring a long time. I know people. You know, how did he fall? Same way everybody else did. He did it stupidly. He was stupid. Sin makes you stupid. Stupid makes you sin. So you need wisdom. You need wisdom to overcome stupidity, not just ignorance. Like, you know, have you ever seen the movie 12 Angry Men? Oh, you got to watch the original. The original is a classic, you know. And in the movie, there's a courtroom scene, and the whole thing's done in one room. The whole movie stays in one room. And it's guys that are on a jury selection and they have to decide in a case where somebody is murdered. And it goes through a whole lot of things. And it has this old guy that's my favorite character in the movie. You know, he's like the oldest guy there. Now I'll look into him. And one of the young guys who's getting impatient, it's real hot and the fan doesn't work. And they finally get the fan working and he flips a a wad of paper up at the fan. And it bounces off and hits the old guy in the head. And this is the old guy comment. That was a damn stupid thing to do probably the only curse word in the, I don't know how bad a curse word it is. I just go, oh yeah, 
You know, so I always used to tell my students when I ran a discipleship program, when I get old, I'm going to hit you with my cane and say, that's a stupid thing to do. Because this, God wants, God's desire is that when we're going through a season, and listen, temptation, we all think temptation is accidental. I'm gonna, I'm, so I'm not going to define temptation to you, but temptation's never accidental for a believer. This is usually one that's sought out over several days' time, several evenings, several times of you being alone. You go, mm, and you kind of do the equation on it. Could I get away with this? You know, and even if it does happen accidentally and happens very quickly and suddenly, in nanoseconds, you still do the same equation. Well, I know I'm in grace. And so you start doing equations. And would God really, who would this hurt? You do that. The mind is amazing, isn't it? So we're drawn away by our own desires and then enticed. Does evil get in, you know, does the devil make me do it? No, he doesn't make you do it, but he'll jump on anything and use anything. You know, funny thing about the devil, he fights it unfair. He fights you like a devil. There's no rules. You can't touch me because... And he goes, oh, yeah? You know, we, we do this baiting stuff with, with the evil one. By the way, if I were you, I would never engage a voice with the evil one. Don't talk to him. Don't talk at him. Praise God. You know, be, bring a light into the situation, and that'll chase away more darkness than you yelling at principalities. Way more. Way more. So you look at this issue of how does, why, if I'm trying to follow God, have you ever had this go through you? Why, oh why, I'm trying to be good, I'm trying to do it, I'm little Lloyd, I'm his loved one, he's crazy about me, why am I entertaining that? I know who I am. You ever go through that? Well, Because circumstances happen. And here's the issue. What can I do to guard myself? Pray in this room that God would release wisdom to you. Because it's not the everyday temptations. Let's bring it into a bigger realm. You got this money come in. It came in the form of cash. It's actually income. You did some work and you're trying to decide whether you're going to report it or not to pay taxes on it or not. And you start going through the machinations of triggering. It's not $2,000. We're talking $20,000 came in. Can you hide that from the government? And you start thinking through these things. What could I do so that I don't have to? So bigger picture temptations, the really big ones in life. That's where you need the wisdom of God. So don't pray against the temptation. I pray, God, give me wisdom. What would you have me do? What would you ask of me? What's the right thing to do here? Because God, guess what? He really likes it when you do the right thing. It doesn't gain any more favor from him, but it really delights his heart when you are who he made you to be. That's really, really what delights his heart. So you just look at the context of temptation. Look, it's in 
It's at the beginning of this whole verse in James 1. So he starts this whole thing out about having to go through trials. He relates it to wisdom issues, testing, circumstances, being tempted. And actually, that's not the theme of this chapter. The theme of this chapter is the wisdom of God that he wants to bring into your life. So listen. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I was taught that if you counted it as joys, that the trials would get easier or go away faster. It's an equation. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And if any of you lacks wisdom in how this works, I'm adding, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. Listen, when the Lord tells you something, when you're seeking wisdom over a temptation to not be who you're supposed to be, and God shows it to you, this is what delights God's heart. You do it. You, you do what God shows you to do. But you don't, so you have to obey him. No. You don't have to obey him, but you get to obey him, and you get to be exactly who he wants you to be. And there's something in that when we go through circumstances of life that actually pull and strain on us and, and, and pull us down. That's where the love of God gets poured out in your heart. And here's the other thing. That's where you mature. That's where you grow. God is not building a test so that you learn how you fail. Any teacher that designs a test to fail students is a poor teacher. And of all things, God is not a poor teacher. A test is designed to reveal what you do know, not to reveal what you don't know. We've probably all had those teachers, either in school or high school or college. And they asked, remember, the one that uh, designed the test around stuff that they never talked about in class, and you're going, what? How am I supposed to know that? I don't know that. So there's no, I don't know the right answer to that. Well, that's a poor teacher. I promise you God is not a poor teacher. God is the best teacher. And if you have circumstances occurring in your life that are centered around temptation, he wants you to see the masterful overcomer that he designed you to be. He wants you to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. He wants you to see it. Always comes back down to that one answer, Christ in you. He wants you to recognize that he's there. Because this, if you look at these verses, look, we were designed by God to be dependent on God for wisdom to know. It's the way he set us up. You were designed uh, to be wise. Paul called the Corinthian church the wise, the wise ones. That was the real fleshy church. You know, the one that there's a whole lot of correction in it over how they're being in the flesh. 
He called them wise. And he called them into the wisdom of God. Pretty stunning when you think about it. This is, this is what God wants you to know in wisdom. God wants you to know God. You can ask for wisdom, Lord, I really, have you ever been in a place where you didn't know what was right to choose? You really got stuck and said, I, I, really, don't, I really don't know what to do here. That's the time to ask God to know God. And instead of saying, what would you do? Say, God, who are you? God, lead me in this. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Now remember, Paul's bringing a letter to a church in Corinth that is a mess. They've got adultery in the church. They have issues over eating things, sacrifice to idols. They're a mess, you guys. Their church orders are not orderly. They're a mess. And this is what he writes to them. He starts talking about wisdom. He says, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He's quoting an Old Testament passage. He says, but we have the mind of Christ. I can go to this room. I can rest my heart fully when I'm being tempted over something and I don't understand it. I'm caught in confusion. I'm perplexed. God, I have your mind in this. God, do, do that big mind meld thing. Let your thoughts enter into my thoughts. Let your spirit guide how I'm thinking about this. And then I start doing these kind of prayers, not in an equation way, but I say, Lord, show me something in your word. Lord, I even do this. Have somebody mentioned something regarding this topic that doesn't know a thing about it in my life? Oh, my gosh. Get ready for some weird person in Walmart to walk up to you and say something like, do you know anything about Ireland? And you've been studying Ireland for a year. Why would you ask me that? I don't know. I just thought I was supposed to. Listen, you ask God. That's part of the wisdom issues of God, of seeking God's face. When you're being tempted, oh, you're, it's, it's amazing. You can have a two-year-old rebuke you with such sweetness. Yeah. Because it's the Spirit of God. He knows. That's what this passage is saying. You guys, He knows. Don't you want to know God? God's view in every area of your life? He knows. Take the great nesty plunge. I trust you, God. And fall back into the waters of His love. And ask you, God, pray, listen, not as a talisman, but I pray divine protection when I seek out His wisdom. 
Lord, I need the wisdom to know what to do here. You think God's not going to answer that prayer? He loves you. Of course he's going to answer it. That's what he was trying to get through to the church at Corinth. God loves you. Stop it, you knuckleheads. You know, we, we use verses, God's threatening them with eternal damnation through Paul, and he's saying this. Paul's going, guys, no. You got to hear Paul's heart. If he would talk with us today, Paul's been made out to be such a meanie. You really ought to read Romans 5 through 8, his great canon on the gospel of grace. Paul's going, oh, you guys, that's not who you are. That's how I read Corinthians now. Guys, this isn't, you were that. You're not that anymore. Be who you are. I, I can't wait to meet Paul. I'm going to meet Paul. I'm going. This is as bad as it gets around here. The other thing is you get to know yourself. The real issue with temptation is you knowing yourself. Shakespeare said it, to thine own self, be true. Be true to yourself. Listen, do you know where you're weak? If you go to your secret place, do you know where you're weak? Pretty much. Yeah, I know me. Do you know where you're strong? Yeah, pretty much. Real strong in judgmental areas. I have a great gift of discernment. You, you, and you, you're all messed up. You need God. Oh, boy, that person needs God. Look at the way they're driving. Hey, you cut me off again. Well, God bless you. Now, I know my strengths and my weaknesses. So do you. But if I pray to really know, God, show those areas to me, and God, help me. Show me where to shore up my thinking. Where... Make it an issue of embracing the spiritual disciplines. We talked about that this morning in our, in our cure class. Listen, spiritual disciplines aren't going to save you. They're going to mature you. They're going to have you grow, so you grow in your understanding. Listen, you need to know you. Trouble is, most of us don't like ourselves. We don't believe what God has said about us. You start confessing what God has said about you, and you'll start liking you. In 2 Corinthians, he says, you guys examine yourselves as to whether you are in faith. Test yourselves. He didn't say go through temptation. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. That's not saying you are disqualified. He's going, really? So you invited Christ in and now you think you're disqualified? Check that out in your life. If you're feeling disqualified, uh, go read Romans 5 through 8. It'll change your opinion of yourself. The other one's the world. Ask God for discernment. If there's an issue that's tempting you to try and get away with something, really? Here, 1 John, do not love the world or the things of the world or the lust of the eye the flesh and the pride of life, these are the things that pass away. They're worldly things. They won't mean anything. They'll, in, listen, in two weeks' time, we won't remember the latest issue against Donald Trump. Right now, that's a big deal. What did he do yesterday? 
or we won't remember what Schumer did or what Nancy did or I don't even know care. Those things pass away so quickly. When you start immersing into the eternity of God, listen, the world's easy to discern. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. You can get the new iPhone. It'll make your life so much easier and better. And your kids will become worse than the millennials we now have. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Last thing we need is a new iPhone, I assure you. One of the best things that happened to me in the river is I didn't have any coverage. It was wonderful. Wasn't tempted to look at another news story. So here's this. I'll close with this. I hope this helps with this room and understanding prayer. Temptation is a wisdom issue. It's not a how good or bad issue you are. How faithful are you? That's not the issue. It's a wisdom issue. You want to be smart? Ask God for wisdom. Here's, listen, 1 Corinthians 10. Isn't it amazing that all this stuff came out of Corinth? (laughs) If you really know those chapters at all. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will always make sure there is a way for you to navigate the temptation that you are under in a spiritually successful way. God is not designing a test to fail you. God will enable you in wisdom to walk through any circumstance of life. And baby, there's some tough ones. What'd you learn about yourself? I'm pretty weak. I'm I'm pretty unable. I know me. I'm tempted to mess up. But God, Christ in me, the hope of glory, that guy shines. That guy's incredible. That guy loves people well all the time. He doesn't stop. He's faithful. He's kind. He's sweet-tempered. He doesn't turn people away. Why does he do that? Because that's what his Savior's like, and his Savior lives inside of him. That's you and I. Does this make sense? Go to that room and pray. Pray, God, God, plant wisdom right where I'm at my weakest point. See what happens. Try it this week. Stand with me. Next week, we'll look at the devil. I'm not going to bring a particular person up, though I could. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll be here. God, plant your wisdom in our prayer lives, in our language. Plant it deep so that our kids harvest the fruit of it. Plant it deep so that those that we work with enjoy our lives of you being in us. 
Delight yourself in us. Delight yourself in us. And make that way of escape sure, clear, and open. In Jesus' name. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.